Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. As you know, I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories. I say that all the time on this show. Stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. That's their story. You need to write your own story. Put time into yourself. And I always tell people, lead with their gifts your passion, your drive, and don't let your age. So many times people are their age, they get 30, they hit 40, they start feeling they can't do anything. When they hit their 60s, they want to try to retire. Retire to what? Because the government is not going to take you. And if you have friends who don't believe in you, family or coworkers don't believe you, you cannot let anybody stop you from planning or living your dreams. That's why I bring interviews on my show, Money Making Conversations, celebrities, CEOs, former athletes, athletes, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. My next guest is Amari Stoudemire, the six-time NBA All-Star is currently an assistant player development coach for the Brooklyn Nets, and he's an entrepreneur. Get it? Entrepreneur. Amari is the first and only black kosher winemaker. Amari's own Stoudemire Farms, an organic family-run farm in Dutchess County, New York, which raises black angus. Amari wants to raise awareness about struggling black farmers and teach the next generation a 360-degree view of wellness, which includes not only exercise and food, but financial wellness and community service. Amari is also currently pursuing his master's degree in business from the University of Miami. That's the you, y'all. The you. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation. Happy to have him on the show, Amari Stoudemire. My man, thanks for having me. How you doing, sir? I'm feeling good, brother. Feeling good. No, you know, Amari, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm a big NBA fan, so I can I can see those uh, those lobs from Steve Nash to you, and you slam dunking. And you was you was a, you were an incredible athlete in the NBA. And um, talk about that portion of feeling invincible being all world, because you were all world. Talk about that whole part of your life and then transitioning out of the game. We want to talk about it as well. But just talk about when you're at the top of your game athletically. Hey, you know what? When you're, when you're playing the game at a high level, um, you put in so much work to, to reach a level of expertise in your craft. And I think for me, I was able to somewhat strive for, for greatness in my, in, in my field mm-hmm. and be able to try to reach my full potential. Mm-hmm. So when you're in that space, man, you feel like you're just in a different world. You're in a different stratosphere. Um, and so that energy alone kind of coexists with, with you playing and succeeding at, at whatever you're doing. And for me, it was basketball. Right. Playing, going to the you know, conference finals, playing the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, all-star games and all-NBA. All these were incredible accolades that I felt amazing uh, during that stretch. Now, when you, when you feel amazing, like you were saying um – you know, do, do, at any point in that part, does uh, you know, because you kind of had your game when it wasn't social media. The social media is now so prevalent, and I'm sure you own social media now. But was social media made a difference in who Amari Stoudemire is if he had it when he played? Yeah, for sure. With me, when I played, I was I was one of the first guys to put together an All Star campaign, mm-hmm. like a mini like a mini TV show yes. kind of type of deal that mm-hmm. goes over the. You know, uh, uh, you know, getting fans get out there to yes. vote, right? On mm-hmm. the vote initiatives. Uh, so I was the first guy to kind of start that whole movement, mm-hmm. and then I was also one of the first guys to have my own um, uh, uh, YouTube show. 
Yes. You know, so YouTube channel, I should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back back in the early 2000s, I started a YouTube channel and I was I was just, you know, re- recruiting all this content mm-hmm. even back in the early 2000s. <laughs> right. Uh, before all the social media came out. So I was for sure ahead of the curve. And if I would have had social media back then, I would have took, took uh, full advantage of it. You've been a beast. You've been a social media beast. Well liked, as they say. Well liked in the game. But you know, the thing about it, man, when I, you, you're, you're so articulate. You're so, you're so, you, you resonate at a high level of professionalism. And so there's so many um, stereotypes of the black athlete. How do you break that mold? How did you break that mold? Because, you know, even when you are successful, there's still going to be stereotypes. How do you go through dealing with that? Or do you deal with it at all? You know what? I think the idea is being able to, to step outside of your box. Right. You know, I grew up in a small town in Florida, and I was also raised in New York. Mm-hmm. And so I was always in my community box. Um, and so for me, I was able to step outside the box and learn new things, uh, advance my conversation, uh, advance my thinking. And, and so I think that helped me somewhat advance mentally, you know, and so educational wise, I was able to somewhat pursue education, continue reading and just trying to trying to improve myself over the years. Mm-hmm. I think that helped me somewhat, you know, iron out or straighten out my conversations and my way of thinking about business. Right. Now, you're assistant. You're one of your one of your titles because you're a renaissance man. I, I, I put up there after I mentioned everything else. You almost a reality show. You know, a camera should actually follow you around. You know, you got the <laughs> farm, you got the wine, you got the education and you also assistant player development coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Tell us exactly what that is. Yeah. So right now, uh, it's my first year being a part of like a coaching staff. Right. Uh, last year, I played overseas in Israel, won a championship there. I got the MVP last season. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking to go back overseas and play another year. But uh, when I got the opportunity to coach with the Nets, uh, my role now is to 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 help develop players. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, learn from the front office and the coaching staff to see where I want my future to go, whether it's front office work or whether it's coaching. OK, cool. Now. OK, now the Brooklyn Nets, brother. Now you, 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 now, you were special when you played there, Amari. I ain't going to lie to you. Now, you get to see three players. I'm talking about Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. As a player, how would you guard them? Or what is their greatest asset as a player individually? I mean, you, you can't really guard them. These guys, <laughs> these, guys, these guys are special. These guys are special offensive players that you just cannot find a way to guard these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, the strengths is Kevin Durant is a complete all-around player. Isn't he, though? 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. This guy is like 6'11". He plays like a guard. He shoots the ball with the best of them. He's for sure, he's for sure one of the all-time great scorers that we that this game have ever seen. Uh, Kyrie Irving is a point guard that is so creative. Um, I mean, you can never – you could. I mean, I, I have never seen a guard that's this creative before as far as the way he finished – around the basket, uh, the way he gets a shot off, the way he approaches the game is, is, is sensational. And then James Harden. Let's is let, before we get to player. James Harden, let's, let's stay on Kyrie because I was talking to Stephen A. Smith. He, you know, you know, what he does with that ball, man, when he's dribbling it. I saw him do a move with Ty Gibson in the last game they played against the Knicks, I believe. And he went back and forward, back and forward, and he took him to the hole. And all the time he was dribbling. I've never seen that in my life, Amari. Yeah, man. He, I mean, he's incredible, man. Like I, like I watched him every day in practice. Right. I see these guys, you know, almost every game. 
And what I see every night is always every every game I turn, you know, I have a moment in the game where I just like just shake my head like <laughs> see this. And I'm a guy who's seen it all. I've been around I know. the world. I know. But uh, but Kyrie's a different. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a remarkable player. Now I played. I'm originally from Houston, Texas, so I got to see the trade of James Harden to Houston. Didn't know he was that great. He was a six man at the Oklahoma Thunder's, and uh, and then to have him come to Houston and suddenly blossom into a superstar. What makes him so unique in your eyes as a former athlete and as a as a coach? Well, James is also creative in his own way. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what makes these guys special. The creativity that one brings to the game that the game have never seen to make you a special player. Right. And so with James, his creativity, being able to draw fouls, being able to manipulate the defense, being able to take what the defense gives him. If you back off him three pointer, if not, he drives to the basket. He has his he has his step back to the side. I mean, I mean, we saw we saw YouTube clips of him creating different type of shots. Right. <laughs> on leg. It's like. The creativity is something special. And for a guy like him to be now the, the, the leading assist guy. Yes. After being, the, after being the leading scorer the year prior, it shows you how great, how great James really is. And how he's not selfish. You know, a lot of people thought there was, right. not, wouldn't be enough balls in uh, Brooklyn when he got traded over there. Now, right, exactly. let's, let's, let's talk about you and the transition. Uh, you, you, you're currently pursuing a master's degree in business from the University of Miami. Why is that important to you? Well, for me, I felt like, you know, when I was in the NBA, I had, you know, associates that did a lot of my finances for me. Mm-hmm. And, guys, and, my, and my team did a remarkable job, but I felt like I want to be the one also knowing about all the intricate details mm-hmm. that's concerning the business, you know, mm-hmm. on my side, right? Mm-hmm. So I have my hands involved in a lot of different businesses, and I want to be able to know how to articulate my conversation, ask the right questions right. Uh, with, with, with future, you know, partners or what have you. So that way I can conduct myself properly in meetings and so and, and, and know and be more knowledgeable about mm-hmm. uh, things going forward. You know, the, it's really, you know, you're in a, it's, you're in a special era as for especially NBA players, because NBA players are not what they used to be. They, they, they're, they're leaders in the corporate space. They're leaders in entertainment. What, what is making like uh, NBA players so unique in how they approach the game while they're playing as well? And also they're exiting it because you can actually see you guys. You guys have a, we know you don't have a helmet on your face. I don't even look at baseball because there's not enough blacks to make a difference in baseball. At one time they felt that too many blacks would ruin the game of basketball. And that's not the case. What is really making that transition for you guys so successful? Because you play the most games other than outside of baseball. So you're busy all the time. So how are you able to pursue a degree plan? And also you still coaching. Okay. And, and but you also we're gonna talk about the other two businesses, the winery and the the Black Angus Farm in a minute because you're still as busy as you were when you were playing. Right, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and so the ideal is being able to put people in power and position of power to be able to articulate these businesses for you. Right, and you oversee each individual entity, which is all which is very important. But you also have to be knowledgeable. You have to be up on your game to to hold the people accountable that are in charge of these different businesses. Um, and so for me, while I think in my generation with myself, like this whole era right now, and I think the next generation is starting to, you know, figure it out as well. Mm-hmm. But for me, LeBron, Carmelo, Chris Paul, you know, Damn. this era, mm-hmm. I mean, it started with Kobe and Garnett and those guys, mm-hmm. but this that whole era of, of, of guys and players that are, are thinking more so about intelligence, 
mm-hmm. and also basketball, right? right so right. sports always been like a narrative of like all oh, basketball players or athletes are just dumb jocks, like right. only sports. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, that's not true. And it's, that's, that's, that's a bad narrative. That's false. So what we're doing now is proving that by being uh, uh, somewhat educated on, on everything that we do and being innovative with our, with our businesses. Now, here's the interesting thing, because I read this when I introduced you. They talked about financial wellness and community service because it was together. And I think they do run together. So because uh, throughout your career, I always knew about your community service. Now, what is that conversation that you are trying to create when it comes to financial wellness? Well, financial wellness is important. I mean, obviously, we had a lot of systemic racism where a lot of the African-American culture have been somewhat behind the, mm-hmm. the paradigm when it comes to being able to, to uh, obtain wealth and pass that wealth down to the next generation. Right. Um, and so we're somewhat behind schedule. We have to play the catch-up game uh, uh, for us now. And I think, um, you know, financial literacy and financial, you know, uh, wealth is important because we have to now understand how to uh, not only make the money, but also save the money and then also invest and those are those are those are intricate balances between knowing how to save, right? Which means you have to somewhat disconnect yourself from certain parts of vanity because you don't want to get caught up in spending money that's not going to do you any good. You have to also know how to invest because investing would allow that money to then make money for itself. Um, and then you have to learn how to save. When you're saving, you can now put put aside certain funds for your children, so when they become an adult, they can have a head start on a head start in the financial space uh, moving forward. So you have to be able to have that financial literacy for sure. Well, you know, the interesting thing when, I, when I'm hearing you talk about your brand and your career, first of all, you know, uh, if you ever want to go back on TV, uh, please call me, Amara. You, you're a fantastic brother. I, I, you, know, uh, you know, I don't know if you have a TV representative, but please call Rashawn McDonald because you're, you, you're special, brother. You, you, I, know, I don't know what they're paying you be, uh, the uh, assistant player development coach, but you need to be on TV, brother. Uh, your insight's incredible. Great smile. I'll be breaking it down, man. You, you, you know, maybe you might know to Google me a little bit. You, you'll find out. When I tell you you're special, man, you go, oh, that brother does know what he's talking about. But when it, but, but, but I had C.J. McCullough on my show twice. Now, he has a wine line that's sold out as well. Now, you got in the wine business, but, you know, but you're a black kosher winemaker. Please tell us the significance of that. Well, being, being the first, I don't think there's another black culture winemaker out there in the world today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to somewhat change that narrative also is being able to now step into a culture space, a space where where health is wealth, right? Um, yes. And so, and so, you know, the winery out of, out of Israel was important for me to get involved in because, you know, obviously having the biblical ties and knowing that throughout the whole biblical context, there's always been wine involved in the Bible, right? So I yes. wanted to kind of connect back with that soil and create a juice that people here in America can drink and be a part of Israel. Like they can be a part of that biblical connotation. Um, so that's how it originally started. And then now I just released two more bottles that's made in California. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a Cabernet Sauvignon that's 100% cab that's made in California. Hey, just- hey Amar, say that again. Cabernet Sauvignon. I got I to articulate like you. How you say that, man? Just let it roll off your lip. Caviar Savion. What'd you say, brother? You need to stop, man. You're a smooth <laughs> operator, brother. <laughs> come on, come on, Amari. Say it one more time. What'd you say? That's the, that's the Cabernet Savion. <laughs> Cabernet, Cabernet Savion is from California, and I have a, I have a, a Petit Verdot that's also a rosé. Right. also from California. Right. Now, why? 
uh, you know, two years ago, I was reading USA Today, and they was talking about NBA players and wine. Why it was such a popular uh, drink. And uh, NBA players walk around with little cases with wine in the little cases. They, they, they travel with their wine. Why is that the case? Well, you know what? I think the NBA nowadays is, is, is becoming a luxury brand. Mm-hmm. A lot of the players that are in the NBA and have played in the NBA are, you know, their brands are considered to be luxury brands. So wine is a part of that luxury connotation. So I think with a lot of the guys who like to go out and have dinner at, at you know, five-star restaurants, Michelin restaurants, they want to sit down and drink wine. They want to smoke cigars. They want to drink whiskey and chill, mm-hmm. relax, have a good fun night. Those are those are the ideas that a lot of NBA guys are are, are thinking. And so getting into that wine space mm-hmm. kind of you know, goes with their brand. Right. Now, now let's go to another part of your entrepreneurial career. This that's what I love about you. It's not like you you're pigeonholed. Okay. Now the you know, the Stoudemire Farms, which is an organic family run farm in Dutchess County, New York, that raises black angus. Talk about how did that come about in your life or who turned you on to the opportunity? Well, you know what, man? I, you know, it's funny. I, I grew up in a small town in Florida, which is like, you know, it's like a farm town kind of type deal. Mm-hmm. I also lived in New York for a while, right? right? So my grandfather was, my grandfather Jack was a uh, was an entrepreneur, entrepreneur himself. He had like, he fish in the morning. He had grapevines and peach trees in the backyard. He would have, you know, all these different agriculture uh, uh, elements, in, in, you know, at his home. And so mm-hmm. when, I go, when I go to my grandfather's house, I would see all this and I would see how he works and, and till the soil. And so I, I was like, there's an opportunity that came along my way here in New York where a friend of mine were moving to Italy. Right. And they had this massive ranch out upstate New York. And they're like, hey, we, you know, we have this ranch. And we're just, you know, really just trying to get rid of it. And so I was like, sure. You know, for me, my initial thought was having a nice getaway place for the family. Mm-hmm. They can have a nice vacation mm-hmm. uh, and go out to the log cabin, relax, light up, the, light up the fire pit. Um, but then I turned it into a working farm. Mm-hmm. And so I used about 185 acres of it. And I, I, I brought in some black Angus. I brought a farm hand. And now, and this is about seven to 10 years ago. So uh, are you on the horse? Tomorrow? No, I have no horses. Okay, you're not riding a horse. You, how do you get out there and, and, and corral the uh, the angers? What, what do you do? You're on a, a, a moped? What you out there doing? Yeah, I, I got the, I got I got the ATV. I got the- <laughs> ATV, you rolling, huh? Yeah, man. So 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 the farmhand actually whenever 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 you go on the farm, you have like a certain feed, right? And the, and the cows they'll come to you, you know. So mm-hmm. they they'll come right to you, and you can somewhat you know show them which way to go. You fence them in, depending on which right. which part of the land you want them to graze, right? Because mm-hmm. you have some parts, part, some parts of the land needs to grow back, mm-hmm. and you, so you take them to another part of the land, fence them in, let them graze that, right? And then you spread them out that way, uh, field by field. Uh, but it's an easy deal, man. You know, it, it's, it's it's an easy deal and it's fun because now there's a new there's a new situation now with the American government that that now are, are giving back to the black, black farmers. farmers. Yeah, because before. Um, um, you know, there was like, I think like 16% of the population were black farmers. Mm-hmm. And now it's down to like 0.2% of, of the farmers that are black. And so mm-hmm. now the government's going to reissue that and try to enhance black farmers. So I was also ahead of that curve as well. You know, Congressman uh, Lindsey Graham called it reparations. That's what he was calling. That was in this deal, you know, funding for black farmers. 
you know, when you, when you are a man of many hats, what, and I, I won't use the word, what hat are you most proud of wearing now, but what allows you the ability to multitask? Well, I think for me, everything that, everything that I, I get myself involved in are passions that I love doing. Right. And then I also learn about it first. I learn about it and understand it first before I really get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it allows me to, to do it naturally. You know, I feel like if you force something, you're not too sure about it, then it makes it, it doesn't look as natural, doesn't feel as clean, it doesn't feel as right, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, everything that I do is based upon like my passions, what I enjoy doing, mm-hmm. and how can I now uh, pass this down to the next generation right? and, and set the tone for, for them. So let's talk about that next generation of, that you talk about of, of wellness and, and then you talk about that, you know, so they won't struggle. You know, do you feel a responsibility? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I, hopefully I'm just having a really good conversation with a successful person who has been successful in so many different levels as an athlete, now as an academic, because you got you get a master's degree, you got to have an undergraduate degree. You can't get, you can't skip to get that. So you've been successful at that level as well. You're an entrepreneur. You, you're willing to step on it. And the beauty of having land, I always, my, my dad used to always say, God ain't making no more land. So when you buy the land, that's an investment that you should hold on to. So that's a smart move on your part right there. But when you talk about next generation, what is your responsibility, especially in wellness? Because in 2020, we discovered how a, a, a global pandemic can affect African Americans. And we saw the George Floyd situation. What role did you feel you had to play? And what role did you play from a pandemic side and from a civil unrest and trying to try to get people to understand that we are and we should be represented properly as African-Americans? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think my ideal of it is being able to understand our heritage. Yes, sir. And I think that's key because I'm sure I'm sure it's governmental facts and, and paperwork that in, that in the files there. But a lot of the African-Americans that were brought to America are from like the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. They're from the Judean, the Judean region. Mm-hmm. So for us, for me, what I always try to connect the people with is being able for them to reconnect with the Bible so they can understand their heritage and then start to follow suit in that way. And, and so that is imp- that's an important message for me to somewhat give to the children because we have uh, our heritage only goes back to slavery, for, you know, at one point, like we, we've been there's so many different titles of, of, of heritage that we've been given, whether it's right. black, whether it's Negro, whether it's African-American, whether it's, you know, whatever these names are. But what's our heritage and our heritage is the Bible. Our heritage, our heritage is, is inside that history book. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to reconnect with that and to understand what that means and do your own particular learning to figure that part out. And then go from there. My oh, man, it, it, it's been a wonderful conversation, Amari, man. Uh, uh, you're special, brother. But, of course, you know that. And I hope you understand that the gifts that you're giving to us as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a, as a person who uh, understands the value of education, as a landowner, which is beautiful for black people to say that because we know that land has been stripped away from us illegally at times, uh, uh, from a scam way, and, we not, and not being in the position to make money from the land that we buy. And you were smart enough to see there was value in it and having a black Angus farm and raising, uh, as they say, cattle, I'm assuming, up there and, uh, and making money off of it. Continue to do what you do, man. I want, to, I want to thank you, brother, for coming on my show, Money Making Conversations. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me, man. It's an amazing conversation, man. Let's do it again. Yeah, man. I'm going to tell you something, Mark. I'm not lying, man. You are gifted, brother. But you knew that already because you had a YouTube show. I used to watch it. I was looking at it. See, you, you, you created Chris Bosch. Chris Bosch followed you. 
with that little commercial right. he did. I right. look at man. Uh, you are special, man, and I, I was happy to see you on Stephen A's, Stephen A's, Stephen A's world, man, because you know a lot of times people they have an image of you. Uh, of anybody, especially from an athletic standpoint, and you're so smooth and you're so smart. Uh, don't stop, man. And, uh, and I, I will always let you know, man, I'm a fan of yours just as a man. Uh, and because you are doing some man stuff, brother. And don't stop, okay? Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. All right. If you want to go to Money Making Conversations or hear any interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. Tony.